Well, hey, we're starting a new series today called uh, Realignment, and I, I, I'm excited to kind of jump into this, but I don't know if you have had this experience over the last few months, maybe the last four months you've, you've encountered this a little bit, but, but have you ever just kind of felt kind of off, <laughs> like with everything going on around you, like it just seems like sometimes you feel like maybe you're off. Maybe, maybe you're just out of alignment a little bit, or maybe you're, you're not quite jiving with everything, or, or maybe you just feel like things are just confusing and conflicted, and it's like, I just really don't, uh, I don't particularly enjoy this season, you know, but I do definitely feel like I'm not myself, or I feel like maybe I'm not lined up with what, 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 what's happening, or what God is doing, or what, matter of fact, in my family right now, I feel like everything's out of alignment, or maybe in a relationship, maybe you feel that way, come on, maybe you've had some of that happen, where you're like, I don't like you anymore, or, you know, you, you've never had these thoughts, you know, I, Everybody's just like, no, I love everyone. I, that's fine. But, but I know that there are a lot of people that have been struggling and feel out of alignment. And, and as I was studying and as I was thinking about bringing a word to this church, um, the thing that went through my mind is that God wants to bring us back into alignment. He wants to bring us back into alignment because it's so important that the church is in alignment. That the believers, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, that you are in alignment with the things of God. And why is that important? Not just for your sake, but for the sake of the world around you. Because see, when the church is out of alignment, there's a lot of things in this world that are out of alignment that God has called us to lead into. And so I want to speak to that over the next few weeks. I want to share out of the book of Ephesians. I don't know if you've ever read the book of Ephesians. You may have never even heard of the book of Ephesians. But, but I do want to encourage you that as we walk through this series to read the book of Ephesians. It's only six chapters. I promise you it won't hurt you. Matter of fact, I believe if you read it, it will help you. I believe if you read it, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, I believe it's going to help you. Matter of fact, I think that God will speak to you. Even if you don't want to believe in God, I believe if you'll read his word, he'll still speak to you. And so I encourage you that over the next few weeks that you would spend time reading through the book of Ephesians and getting everything that God wants you to get. Because I 100% believe that this is a word and that this, this uh, letter, this particular letter, is for us today. And it's something as a church that we need to grab hold of, especially during this season that we're all in. And so I'm titling this message, Privilege and Responsibility. Say, Privilege and responsibility. It's good. Let me read what, the, what I'm describing as the series verse for Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 through 10. Hear these words from the book. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Let me say that again. God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. In other words, God is handing it to you as a gift, and all you do is grab hold of it. That's it. All you have to do is grab hold of it. And the Bible says the way that you grab hold of it is by believing it's true. Listen. Verse 9. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast. 
For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Why? Well, he tells us. So we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. So, so, so what is he saying? He's saying that everything you do for God does not in any way change your standing before God. Like you can do all the right things. You can be like great and show up to church early and I mean smile and nod your head, even take notes. But it doesn't change what God thinks of you. That's, I, I think there's so much comfort in that. That there's nothing that I can do to deserve it. And there's nothing I can do to, to somehow make it less than in my life. Because it's a gift from God given to me by God, not by anything I do. And why is that? Because he never wants me to take credit for it. He wants to always receive the credit for what he has done. He calls us his masterpiece. Sometimes we feel not like a masterpiece. Sometimes we feel, sometimes we feel like a piece of trash. You ever felt that way sometimes? You ever felt like a worm? You ever felt that way? You ever woken up one day and say, man, I'm just not measuring up. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. The Bible says, you are a masterpiece. You should find great comfort in that. And what's really cool is before you even came out of your mama's womb, the Bible says that God had planned for things for you to do in advance. I think that's cool. I think that the fact that God was thinking about me before I was even thinking. That he was planning for me to do great things for his kingdom. And now why is this important? Why is it important that I get this figured out? Why is it important that I understand what Paul is writing right now? Well... Because if the church doesn't get it, because if the believers in Jesus Christ don't get it, if we don't understand our privileged position and our responsibility, then what happens is that we don't live out what God needs us to live out in a world that so desperately needs it. When the church stops being the church, when the church stops being the light that the world needs to see, People around us can't see what God is doing. They can't experience it. And so here's the big idea I want you to get. We have a privileged position that requires responsible living. I believe that's the entire book in a nutshell for you. So if you're wondering what the book of Ephesians is about, I think that is it in a nutshell. That we have a privileged position, but it requires of us responsible living. That we are called to live that out. And so if you were to break down the entire book, the first three chapters are about the privileged position. And the last three chapters are really about how we walk that out. What it looks like for us to walk that out in the world. Now you may or may not know this, but this book was written by the Apostle Paul. And matter of fact, he wrote it in prison. He was in prison writing this letter. And now he was writing it specifically to the church at Ephesus, but it was also kind of this circular letter 
that was passed around from church to church in that area in order to instruct them in the things of God. And I think in some ways, like we could even think about it, is that Paul's passing it to us too. And he's saying, hey, read this. Because if you read this, it's going to help you. If you read this, you're going to understand better the things of God. If you read this, you're going to better uh, be able to then do the things that God have, has called you to do. And I, I, I think all of us want to know a couple of things. We want to know what God thinks of us. And we want to know what he wants us to do. And so you're in the right place. Because this book is going to help you understand those things. And so today, I just want to start with the first part and, 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 and just really try to give you an overview of the entire book. And so you guys okay with that? You think you can handle that? I mean, it's a lot. It's a lot. But, but I, I see you. I see your faces. I, I know you. You're ready. You've eaten your Wheaties. You had a good night's sleep. If you didn't have a good night's sleep and you start to doze off, I want to encourage you to stand up and just shake. If you do that, one, it'll indicate to everybody in the room that you were falling asleep. But it also will wake you up, all right? So say it with me. Privilege, privilege. Responsibility. responsibility. And so we have a privileged position. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have a privileged position. And you might be asking yourself, well, what is it? Listen, in Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 6, all praise to God. Why is Paul praising God? He's in prison. I always think that's interesting. The guy's in prison and he's praising the Lord. How many of us would be praising Jesus if we were sitting in a jail cell? <laughs> this guy loved God. And he was committed to the mission of God. And so he says, all praise to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, watch this, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. That is a mouthful. What he's saying is, is that, that, that Jesus Christ, the Father, has blessed us. You are blessed, whether you know it or not. The Bible says you are privileged. And as a result of that privilege, he calls you to a greater life. Matter of fact, he says you are blessed with every spiritual blessing. How cool is that? You have every spiritual blessing. Not, not just a little, not just half, not just a few. No, no, no. Every spiritual blessing. And he says that you've been given this blessing in the heavenly realm. What does that mean? I have no idea. Like at first glance, you're like, I have no idea what that means. The crazy thing is if you read the book and you go all the way through six chapters, you'll see that that phrase in the heavenly realms is mentioned five times. It's important to note in biblical interpretation, when you see things repeated, it's important. So in the book, you see in the heavenly realms, put a pin in that. We're going to come back to it. Because it's so key to understanding the entire book of Ephesians. All right? So you got all that. So you've been blessed with every spiritual blessing. Because why? Because you've been united with Christ. Not united with the world. Not united with your wife or your husband. No, no, no. United with Christ. And as a result of being united with Christ, these things become true in your life. Verse 4. Even before he made the world, God loved us. Come on. 
Even before he made the world, God loved us. He chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. In other words, that I stand before God and he looks at me and he sees me as righteous. I don't feel righteous sometimes. And yet that's how God sees me. He sees me because of what Jesus has done. I now stand before God righteous. I traded in my filthy rags and received the gift of righteousness from Jesus Christ, not because of anything I did, but because of what Jesus has done for me. Woo-wee! That's good. Verse 5. God decided in advance to what? Adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself. Who? Through Jesus Christ. I've been adopted into God's family. I'm a part of the family. You may be in a situation where you don't have a family. You're struggling with your family. You hate your family. But the Bible says you've been adopted into a family that loves you. The family of God. It gets better. This is what he wanted to do. It says, look, look, the Bible says, and it gave him great pleasure. Your God takes joy and pleasure in saving you. Like he likes it. He's excited to do it. The Bible says that all heaven celebrates when someone comes into the kingdom of God. Angels like, whoa, whoa. Because people are coming into the family of God. And God really likes it. He enjoys it. And when you show up, he's like, man, I'm so glad you're here. That's what it's saying. And so he takes great pleasure, verse 6. So we praise God for his glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. So the Bible says that I'm blessed. The Bible says that I'm loved. The Bible says that I'm chosen. The Bible says that I'm adopted. Let's say it. Say it with me. The Bible says, I am blessed. I am loved. I am chosen. I am adopted. That's good news. That's why we call it the good news. Because of what Jesus has done. Look at this in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. God saved you by his grace when you believe. Wait a second. I think I've heard that before. It was in the first chapter. So you see it repeated. The point is, is that God saved you by his grace. Don't forget it. It's by his grace. You were saved by his grace. When you what? Believed. When you said yes. When you put your faith in all that he's done for you. And then he says it again. And you can't take credit for this because it's a gift from God. Nothing you can do. Nothing you can do allows you to be deserving of it. And so we've received a gift from God. And so I ask you the question, have you received it? Have you received that gift? Do you know God in that way? And then watch this, it gets even better. And this is just the second chapter. This is Ephesians chapter 2, verse 18 says, Now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. It gets better. Look. In, verse, in chapter 3, verse 12, because Christ and our faith in him, because of it, we can now come boldly and confidently into God's presence. We don't have to walk into God's presence with timidity. We can walk in with boldness. 
We can, it's like we can open the door and say, here I am, God. And he's like, yeah, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you want to fellowship with me today. I'm so glad we're going to spend some time today with each other. I like it. And I'm so glad you walked in here with some swag on. Some boldness. Boldness in yourself? Nope. Boldness and confidence in what Jesus has done for you. That's it. That's all you got. It's the only way you're getting in. That we walk in bold because of what Jesus has done for us. Man, we have privilege. We are privileged as believers. And you know, in this world right now, we're talking a lot about privilege. We're having conversations about privilege. And I understand why we're having conversations about privilege. But the thing that's been rattling around my brain is believers in Jesus Christ. We have privilege. And with that privilege comes great responsibility comes great responsibility. We are called to do something with our privilege. Matter of fact, I think we get sidetracked by identifying privilege as this, that, or the other, and we lose sight of the fact that as believers in Jesus Christ, we have privilege. And that privilege is not designed for me to keep it or to build myself a bigger barn. That privilege is there to help me see who I am and make sure that I let the world around me know it. That I let the world around me know all that God has done, all that Jesus has done. And quite frankly, the church, in my opinion, on multiple levels are failing in this area. We are called to be the privileged people of God standing before the world and being the light that the world needs to see. And guess what happens when the people of God are no longer the light? The darkness overtakes it. Evil overtakes things. See, because I don't know if you know this, wherever there's light, darkness can't exist. And so where the people of God are, the privileged people of God who are living out their faith, wherever they are, that means that darkness has to flee. That means that evil has to go. And so we have to understand our privileged position. We have to understand it because if we don't understand our privileged position, then what's going to happen to the world around us? What's going to happen? Well, I can tell you what's going to happen. The things that we're seeing happen. The challenges that we're facing right now, in my opinion, is because we've failed at times as a church. We've failed to love people the way we should. Come on. We've failed to love people the way we should. Truthfully, we've failed to love God the way we should, if we're honest. And God's not mad at you. He's not sitting there going, yep, got you now. He's just saying, hey, look at the gift. Look at the gift. Love me. Love me not because of anything I've done, but simply just because of the gift. Love me. Love me. Love me. And when we start to love God, you know what happens? we actually start to love people. Like when you spend more time in the presence of God, you will start to love people, I promise you, even the ones you don't like. And so, some of y'all have a list. You know you do. And yet the Bible says that we can be better. And I love the fact that we have access to God, that we can come boldly before him. See, man, we are privileged. But see, we're not just privileged for nothing. We're privileged with a with a purpose. Say that with me. Privilege with a purpose. <laughs> Say that five times. Privilege with a purpose. Privilege with a purpose. It's a little hard to do. But see, you're privileged with a purpose. 
You have a purpose. You are called to walk this thing out. And so, I'm privileged, but I have to live responsibly. That's what God calls me to do. And so I want to just kind of jump into the latter part of this book. We're, we're doing well. We're halfway through the book, guys. You've done good. But let's stay in it. Stay in it. We're almost done. Ephesians 4, verse 1. This is all going to set you up for the, rest, the remainders of the weeks. And I'm not asking you to get everything today. Just get something. Just get one thing. Write it down. That's what God's saying to me. Write that down. Don't get everything today. We're going to come back and look at all this stuff again. But just remember, we, are, we have a privileged position. And now as believers, we've got to walk it out. Ephesians 4, verse 1. Therefore, I, a prisoner for serving the Lord. Every time I read that, I'm struck by it. That Paul was in prison writing this. He says, I beg you, look at that. I beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling. For you have been called by God. Did you know that? That you have a calling? That you were called by God before you were even born? And then he says, live a life worthy of that calling. In other words, what he's saying is live a certain purity before the world. And why is that important? Why is purity important? Why does it matter what you do? Because of your morality and that somehow you're going to be good to God? No, no, no. It's that when you stand before people with a pure spirit, they listen to you. It's hard to listen to people on the stage or in person or online who you know are not living a pure life. Because there's a part of you that's like, you ain't doing it, so why should I listen to you? And I am not even saying that attitude is right. I'm just saying that's what people think. And the unredeemed mind, those are the things that we think about one another. And so wouldn't it behoove us, that's a good word, wouldn't it behoove us if we're called by God to live pure before the world? Perhaps they'll listen to us more. Perhaps if the things we say line up with the things that we do, people would listen to us more. Come on. I know it's getting uncomfortable in here a little bit. Guys, I get it. But don't you think that's true? And so watch this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want to do that. Do you want to do that? Do you want to bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way that you live? Nobody wants to do that. And he says, remember, he has identified you as his own. Look at this. Guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. In other words, I have been sealed. I have been guaranteed. He has put his stamp of approval on my life. And wherever I go, I've got this big stamp of approval on my life. And you know what happens, though? You know what happens sometimes is we grab a little towel and we put something over it because we don't necessarily want people to know who we are. And we hide our faith. And we hide it. We hide it at our jobs. We hide it at this. We hide it at that. We just got this thing. It's like, you know, it's okay. And I, I, don't, and I wonder why we do that. I mean, if we're privileged, if we're privileged, we have a privileged position. If we have a God that's loved us and we've embraced that love and we're called to give it out to people, why do we do this? Why do we do this? I think that's interesting. I think we should just take that thing off real quick. 
I think we should take it off. I think we should be who we're called to be. I think we should stand out. I think we should kind of stand out to the world. Because if we stand out to the world, then maybe just maybe we can do the things that God has called us to do. To enter into the places that nobody, wanna, nobody wants to enter into and be the light of Jesus. I think sometimes we put this on because we're kind of ashamed of the way we live. We're kind of ashamed of the things we're doing. And we don't want anybody to know. You guys okay? All right. I love you. I say these things because I love you. He goes on in Ephesians 5, 1. He says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear, his dear children. You are a son or daughter of the Most High God, the Bible says. And you are called to walk in it. Matter of fact, you're called to imitate what God has done. You are called to be imitators of God. And then he goes on even further and he says in Ephesians 5, 15 through 16, he says, so be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And so make wise choices. Walk in wisdom. Be who you're called to be. See, God has called you to live before a world redeemed. To live before the world by, by, by taking back the time you have. Not wasting time doing things that are unimportant. But by seizing that time and using it for his kingdom. That's what God wants from you. I love the fact that it makes it so clear. Ephesians 6. And this is where it gets even better. In Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. Watch this. Paul says a final word. Be strong in the Lord. And his mighty power. He, he, he doesn't say be strong in the Lord in your mighty power. He says be strong in the Lord in, in his mighty power. And then he says put on the armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. Pastor, are you saying that you believe in a devil? Yes, I am saying that. And that might make me weird to you. And that's okay. Verse 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, oh gosh, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. That is a lot to swallow. So, 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 wait, Paul, are you saying that there's stuff going on around me that I don't even see? Paul, are you saying that there's some kind of reality happening around me that I don't, that, that, that's not in the physical? Are, are you saying that we have a, an enemy that's working against us? I mean, is that what you're saying? And then there you go again, talking about the heavenly places. Where are these heavenly places? Where am I supposed to find it? Can you get it on, you know, can you rent it on Verbo or whatever it's called, VRBO? And that says, you guys are like, he's such a nerd. <laughs> What's that place called? It's a VRBO. I got that right. Vacation home. I need to, I want to go to the heavenly places. Where, where is that? See, the Bible says I'm resourced and I'm fighting a spiritual war. And that I've been given everything I need to fight that battle. But see, here's what I've found. We're fighting the wrong battle. We think we're fighting the right battle. We think by posting that or standing on that or being aligned with that group or this group that somehow we're fighting the right battle. 
But the reality is, is the Bible says we have a battle to fight, and that battle is on a whole different level that you know nothing about. Many Christians don't know anything about it. See, a scientific worldview is not a biblical worldview. I'm not even saying that scientific worldview is a bad thing. I'm just simply saying that the Bible teaches a biblical worldview. And with the biblical worldview, there is a spiritual reality around us that we can't even see sometimes. That there is a spiritual reality happening all around us that have nothing to do with just everything that we see. Now, what is it? what of this spiritual realm? What of it? Where is it? How are we supposed to fight? What what does it mean to put on the armor of God and fight in this battle? And why is it important? Well, if you're privileged with a position in the kingdom of God, you have a job to do. And so you need to know your job. You need to know what you're supposed to be doing. And so look at this. In the heavenly realms, five times in this book, listen to this. The realm is invisible. It's invisible. You're like, is it real? Well, there's lots of things that you can't see that are real, right? You can't see the wind. You've seen the effects of the wind, but you can't see the wind. So so, so the realm is invisible. See, the real world, see, this is it. The real world of spiritual encounters and conflict. There's a real world of spiritual encounters and conflicts. It's not some distant place. See, See, there's a realm. Look at this. In this realm, There is an invisible spiritual conflict happening on earth where, oh, oh, pastor, you're you're losing me now, where demon power try to sustain control over humankind and world affairs. Oh, I'm I'm not, I'm, I'm not into that, pastor. You're one of those weirdos. You're one of those guys that thinks there's some kind of demon behind every bush. No, no, no. What I am saying is there is a spiritual reality that affects the physical. And that there are spiritual forces that are working against us. And we're called to do something about that. That those spiritual forces are affecting humankind. Those spiritual forces are affecting world affairs. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we actually are supposed to be engaged in that. And you're like, well, how are we supposed to be engaged? What am I supposed to do? Listen to this. And this is where it all shifts. This is where it all is going to make sense to you. It is our intended dominion and dynamic operation. In other words, this spiritual realm, this heavenly realm, is where believers are to do their best work. It is there that we are intended to have dominion and dynamic operation in the spiritual. You're like, well, what? Jesus said, Jesus said in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world, is what he said. And so, so look at this. Our arena of action is spiritual, not political. Come on. Our arena, our arena of action is spiritual and not political. Now, I'm not saying we don't influence politics. I'm simply saying that we have to understand that our primary purpose as believers in Jesus Christ is to spend time in the spiritual, doing the work that we can do, having the dominion over that area that we have. We sang the song Champion, and it says when we speak the words, things happen. As believers in Jesus Christ, we have that kind of authority, not because of our own power, not because of anything we've done, but because of what Jesus has done. And when we forget that, guess what happens? Well, I'll show you. 
The great Jack Hayford said it this way. He said, anytime, anytime in church history that God's people have forgotten this, that we have forgotten that our battle is in the spiritual world, anytime in history that the church or God's people have forgotten this, the church has fallen into sore confusion. Do we see the church in any confusion right now? Come on. Do we see any of that? Do we see any misalignment? Do we see any division? Do we see any of that? Yes, we do. Because we have dropped the ball. We have stopped seeing the things that we need to see. Because see, what I'm finding is a lot of people are acting in the physical. A lot of people are doing things in the physical. Some of those things aren't good, and some of them are good. Some of us love to do things in the physical. We love to post things online because we think we're making a difference in the physical. And we spend less time praying and more time posting. If we were to do the work in the spiritual, if we were willing to pray, if we were willing to fight in the spiritual, you know what happens? The Bible says it. The Bible says that when the church gets serious about spiritual warfare and begins to pray earnestly in the spiritual, that things in the physical start to happen. You want to change politics? You want to change this world? You want to change race relationships? You want to change all these things? Then you get busy in the spiritual. You begin to pray and you begin to seek God. And what God will do is he'll hear the prayers of his people because he wants these things to come to pass. We're not having to beg God to do them. He already wants them to be done. He said so in his word. All he's asking us to do is get serious about it. And we begin to pray and we begin to see things. And come on, it is the coolest thing in the world to see things happen in the physical that you did in the spiritual. I'm telling you, it's cool. I'm telling you, if you've never been a part of it, it's cool. Because you know what you find out? You find out that God can do it if he wants to. He can. That's what he does. But he's looking for you to partner with him. Not because he needs you, like somehow he's needy. It's he's invited you into the journey. And he wants you to participate. How many of us believe the world needs that? How many of us believe that the church needs that? How many, how many of us believe that we need this to affect our political affairs, our world affairs, our relationships? Well, we see when the church gets serious about it, when we start praying earnestly in the heavenly places, when we start fighting warfare prayer, when we start praying warfare prayers, when we start being more committed to spreading the gospel than our own agenda, come on. We start doing the things that God's called us to do. We, we, start, we start being the privileged people of God and we start walking in the things that God's called us to. We, we are called to action through spiritual warfare. That is what God has called us to do. And so, we have a privileged position that requires responsible living. I hope that's something that you want because I know that our world desperately needs it. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word today. Lord Jesus, I ask that just as we, as we take just a moment to pray, That you'd speak to our hearts. Lord, we need to hear from you. And I just want to ask your forgiveness for the times that I haven't stood in my position of privilege and helped people. You call me to help people. You call us as a church to help people. 
Forgive me, God, for using my position to build bigger barns for myself and not necessarily to help other people. God, forgive me for the times that I haven't loved my brothers and sisters the way I should. But God, thank you for, for loving me. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for saving us. Not because of anything that we did, but because of what you did. Thank you, God. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I just want to ask you a question. I talked a lot about Jesus. And clearly Ephesians tells us that if we will believe that God will save us by his grace. And so I just want to ask you a question today. Do you know and do you have that relationship with Jesus? And if you don't, I'd love to be able to pray for you today. Because see, Jesus is holding out the gift to you, the gift of salvation, and he's just simply saying, take it. Take it. Take it by faith. So I want to pray for you. If that's you, if you'd like to do that, just repeat this prayer. We're all going to pray together, and nobody's praying alone, but let's just pray this prayer together. Lord Jesus, I need you. Will you forgive me of my sins? Will you be my Savior? Will you change me from the inside out? I surrender to you. Be my Lord. Help me to know my privileged position and walk that out before the world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Can we celebrate all of those that are making decisions today?